anyway more on that on a, on a separate episode we will record after the final I, i promise you we are not going anywhere we are not going on hiatus like we normally do um <laughs> on that very note of hazmat suits hiatus it is now time to swing into the roundup yes uh the the biggest news i guess is 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 again we go back to the hazmat suit and and the the reason for sp's i don't know cowering i guess is the word no no i have to is i do i have to protect myself even though there's oh no i'll tell you why i have to protect myself um so normally when you walk around manchester there's not very many bangla people around but um i decided in my infinite wisdom that instead of walking back home uh, sorry instead of taking the bus back home from the squash courts i decided to walk and then one of my friends told me that uh, i'm in an area with lots of bangladeshi that's what inspired that suit and for for context we're not just so people realize we're not just like ragging on bangladesh as a yeah. entire country we're, we're not the, like... the context <laughs> the context is that sp has uh, sp was very nicely slagging off bangladesh the cricket team on twitter and got into a twitter twitter beef with one cricket fan or several oh, different man, fans oh man he gave me hell i'm going to put that up so you guys can see it but yeah that is literally well that's what's been happening yeah. in my world <laughs> so that's our round up also into the basically, back of cricket basically yeah basically sp wanted to talk about the quality of of test cricket and how teams need to get better and and they, with as things are with sp he tried starting off a serious conversation then of course it turned into clowning someone on the other sp's favorite target quite often is uh, the bangladesh cricket team so he happened Not to for, just okay, no, i have nothing let, let let me just clarify just i have nothing against bangladesh and bangladeshis i just don't like the cricket team simple I don't even think that he, it's not even that you don't like them. You just don't think they're good, and you just want to keep reminding people that you don't think they're good. Isn't that the same thing as not liking the cricket team? Well, no. See, I don't like the Australian cricket team, but I would never say I don't think they're good. Yeah, but that's because you're just a Australian hater. I'm not a Bangladeshi hater. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> it's debatable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, anyway, so as we got anyway, in, as we on. got into Twitter beef, as we got into Twitter beef, and then of course, right soon after this Twitter beef happened, Bangladesh would go to South Africa and uh, win an ODI series. Uh, and of course, there have been Bangladeshis who, are, who have kindly reminded SP, I believe, that India went to South Africa for an ODI series and got whitewashed. At no point did I speak about Bangladesh's ODI team, however. That was a really funny thing. I mean, listen. Once you start the clowning, then the logic—you've—you've you've effectively allowed logic to go out the window, and therefore it went out the window. Well, I mean, then they proved me right by losing four wickets to the world's best spinner. No, I'm not talking about Ravi Ashwin. I'm talking about Simon Hammer on his return to international cricket after what five years? That—that that was that is quite funny, by the way. I, I, yeah, yeah exactly. losing four wickets. So I mean, look, dude, the memes write themselves, all right? They're not even losing wickets to Keshav Maharaj. They're losing wickets to the South African spinner that everyone had forgotten about. No, but apparently, according to most English county fans, he is the world's best spinner. I'm just yeah. listen. English county fans will see you ball spin for two overs and think you you're the best, world's best spinner. They don't know what quality spin looks like. So so far in the last two weeks, I've bowled leg spin. And left arm spin, and picked up wickets doing both. And first of all, I'm completely right-handed. I bowled left arm spin yesterday. So, yeah, you're doing this at club cricket level. I'm sure if you went and did this for Lancashire in in, in the county championship, you would still pick up wickets. Both they're just like 
they, they just genetically cannot play spin. Imagine Ravi Jadeja in the county championship. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we're getting way off track. Back to the roundup. So Bangladesh promptly beat South Africa 2-1 in the one-day series and has ended today at what, 90-odd for four in response to 390, I believe? 98 for four in response to 367. That 367 also that South Africa made. Bangladesh had them at uh, 298 for eight. And then the last two wickets pulled out 69 runs. Nice. <laughs> oh, so I'm not the only one that makes juvenile jokes here. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, think now it's just a, I think now it's just a rule of internet culture. You see 69, you have to say nice. That's it. Whatever, dude. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, to- I'm talking about the number. I'm not talking about... I mean, if you want to say nice if after seeing the actual thing... You laughed at the it, number but... 69. There's no... You don't... There's no comeback from that. <laughs> anyway. Juvenile is like, uh, It's like you were 17 again or something. Anyway. Um, anyway. Yes. Um, Bangladesh, Bangladesh did things to annoy, annoy Sid and then did things to please Sid after that. That's what happened. And then my trusty hazmat suit has come to my, my rescue. Um, that is anyway. largely the roundup because the, the other things that we have to talk about in that would be roundup worthy are actually just uh, the meat of our episode here. But uh, we'll get into it. But basically, there's only one more thing. That, sorry, we need to add two things in the roundup. Obviously, we've missed the passing of Shane Vaughan. I believe we didn't really cover it in the last episode. But um, um, well, because it hadn't happened when we recorded our last episode, so we couldn't have covered it. This is also a very good point. Um, anyway. So, two Australian legends passed away, Shane Vaughan and Rod Marsh. And in addition to that, um, Australia are currently locked at one all in an ODI series in Pakistan, um, with Pakistan chasing down 350 yesterday, which was quite impressive. Their highest ever successful ODI chase, actually. Um, that's pretty much the roundup because we will cover the three test series in our meet, meet of the episode. Yes. Yes, we will do that, and then we will do a. I guess we'll just chat about Warren for a bit after at the end. Yeah, and um, in order to get to our meet, first we have a word from our sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Um, now, I guess honestly, I know we're both Indian fans, but I honestly I feel like the most boring series to talk about in the last of the last three was the India series. Okay, let's let, fine. Let's. Let's sum up the India series as best we could. It is one of the world's best test teams against one of the world's worst test teams. Over two tests, what did you expect would happen? And that two-on-one very dicey wicket. And the dicey wicket also then happened to be a pink ball test. I do think India kind of needs to figure out for pink ball tests, maybe just different pitches when it comes to pink ball. Because I think... Just make the a flat wicket. That's the end of the story. Maybe not rocket science. Anyway, um, notably, do we need to talk? Yeah, I do want to. Okay, wait. Let me let let's hear what you have to say about the series, and then I I want to. I have a talking point. I just wanted to say, notably from that series, two things: Shreyas Iyer, Rishabh Pant both stood out, and as well as that, Jasprit Bumrah got his first ever five on Indian soil. Yes. Um, for the conspiracy theorists out there, let us ask this question and then maybe answer it ourselves if we can. So people will remember, remember this one infamous India-Pakistan match where Saurabh Ganguly was not captaining because he was out, not in the side at the time. He was injured, I believe, for this test match. And Sachin Tendulkar against Pakistan, please note this, he was batting on 194 and stand-in captain Rahul Dravid declared 
with with our great great Sachin Tendulkar batting six runs away from a two hundred. Also, Crown also David, now. Sorry, 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 sorry. Before before you go on, before you go on, I also want to remind everybody that everyone's most hated commentator thought that that declaration was a good idea. Carry on. <laughs> everyone's most hated commentator who is a Mumbaiker and yet was happy with. a uh, mumbai player yeah, being denied yes, in yes that, believe that, that that's that's very that's i that's literally saw youtube clip of that game about two days ago so that's why i special mind that's interesting so the reason i bring up this test match is because now of course that the stand in captain from that day is now is now the manager head coach whatever the exact designation is of indian cricket rahul dravid uh ravi jadeja was batting on 178 i believe it was uh on the on day 2 of the first test against sri lanka uh they were a few overs away from t there was some thought of you know letting him smash also there was some other thought that it's just sri lanka we could bat into day 3 and still bowl them out twice after that so let him get to his double century of course we declare to as it turns out and he said this in an interview afterwards jadeja said the declaration was his idea this is what he says i i and I, at face value i have no reason to not believe him Uh, and he could just be being a, go- a good team player. No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think he's being a good team player. I just think that's Ravi Jadeja. He must have spot. He's a fair, look. Uh, I will say he's very street smart cricketers. He must have spotted something. Otherwise, I don't think he would have been. I do think there was a. Li- I honestly think there was a bit of a confusion. I think the the plan must have been to declare at T and give Jadeja some time before T to get the last twenty odd runs that he needed. Uh, and I think. then when and then when they realized that you know there or sorry i think the plan was to be to declare um with some overs left before t to bowl at sri lanka and yeah. so that and that's why they declared when they did and only to find out that there actually there are going to be no more overs like there must have been some miscommunication between rohit sharma and the, uh, and jadeja and the umpires for you know whether there's going to be a break immediately or is it change of innings now but anyway more important thing to note is that ravi jadeja scored a masterful innings at the, at after the top, top order largely collapsed of course rishabh pant did his rishabh pant thing and then jadeja came in came, nearly scored a double century i think we need to start counting him as among the all time great all rounders yeah i mean i would there's very few that have done what he does and i still i mean he's still yeah pro, you know what probably one of the best all rounders that we've seen in world cricket and and i think the thing is that he's come a long way from where he started I mean, it's a completely oh, yeah. different cricketer to 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 the, the as Shane Warne famously called him the rock star. Um, and it was it was quite a poignant moment actually that he brought up that century the day after Shane Warne uh, Shane Warne died, and I think the night that that morning or the night before, Harsha Bhogle had actually reminded Jadeja of this entire thing on Twitter that Shane Warne had sort of plucked this guy out for during uh, Rajasthan Royals' first season in the IPL, called him a rock star, kept talking him up the entire season and and mentoring him, and then you know we see where Jadeja is now. Um, so really, the only other thing we want to sort of discuss about that series is the the crowd at the at the uh, Chinnaswamy during the second test because it was rammed. Okay, now I'm not against test matches going to smaller venues. but the thing that happens in india specifically is that when you go to a smaller city city like say um mohali for example it's well outside of chandigarh it is quite far from the main the center of the city um you go to other places like nagpur and it's i mean i've been there it is miles away from the center of the city 
and I mean absolutely miles away. It gets very difficult to get to, and nobody really wants to sit in these big bowls of stadiums, big fucking bowl of a stadium, where it just traps the heat in. So, I mean, two things to note: one, of course, day night cricket clearly has to be the way forward for me. Um, I think, and we need to figure out more and more venues, like how to make more venues. Uh, suitable for for day night cricket because I think, for example, I get the feeling Bombay might be a little hard uh, for for day night test cricket. Well, I mean, uh, look, I, I think, I mean, I know we've been watching the IPL and you've seen the impact of the Juda, but I, I just feel that, um, especially in Bombay, um, the Dew tends to have less of an impact in um, like at a test match start time, when you start at say two, like say one one o'clock or something. If you start at one o'clock and you finish, because the sun sets pretty early, so you would get a full session under lights anyway. Um, particularly during the test season in the winters, where it sets about say five thirty in the evening or something. Um, you know, you you won't get the impact of the dew until it sort of runs far later into the evening anyway. Um, also. So that's one thing. The other thing is, obviously, with the crowds, and we've been crying for this for a long time. Every time you play a test match in a big city, it's packed, whether it's a weekday weekend, doesn't matter. The, the stadiums are full. You played in, in the last time they played a test match in Mumbai, Wankhede, full stadium. Chinnaswamy, full stadium. What does that go to show? Just have your five test matches the way Australia I do think, does, and that's the end of it. Yeah. I, and I mean, Australia has also branched out uh, but and taken test cricket to some some new venues, and it's to a certain extent, it's worked. But I, with India, I agree because you kind of do like to see Test match cricket played to a good, you know, a, a good crowd watching the watching the entire spectacle. And a lot of venues doesn't give you that. Okay, um, that's all we have on India and Sri Lanka. Uh, I'm going to sleep now while you talk about the first two tests of the Australia-Pakistan series. See, when I watched whatever little bit I've watched of that series, I was also putting me to sleep. The first two matches for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Australia went to Pakistan. We have to, thank, we have to thank our Pakistani friends, though, for doing us a massive favor in the World Test Championship by, prepare, by preparing those two roads to make sure that Australia didn't... Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they could have improved their own chances by giving them themselves spicy wickets, but huh, those two draws have helped everyone else chasing. Um, yeah, I mean, the third test... The, the second test, to be honest, was an epic block fest. I mean, the, the second innings... Where um, they had to, they were trying to chase three. I mean, they could have tried to chase it. What is it, four fifty or something? Um, and they ended up yeah. three hundred and eighty odd for seven, I think, at at, at stumps on the on the fifth. Which day. and 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 funnily enough, Babar Azam said we had no we had no thoughts about going after the target, uh, which I find interesting because it it may be a little more intent. And to be fair, Australia bowlers bowled well the entire series. I don't think Pakistan had a batting session on even on these placid pitches of batting at three, four runs and over, and that's what it would have required to get to that get to that target. So yeah, but okay, I, I mean, I have a different take on this because if you look at that Pakistani lineup, there's only two people I would see that would score quickly. One is Babar Azam, of course, and the second one is Rizwan. Nobody else in that lineup scores quickly. Azhar Ali doesn't score quickly. Chan Masood definitely doesn't score quickly. Um, Abdullah, Abdullah Shafiq, who you just, thought was doing award-worthy test I thought he was doing award-worthy blockathons. Um, you know, and and you're looking at at, at players like that, and they're not score. They're not going to score. It doesn't matter who they're playing; they're still not going to score quickly because they're not those type of players. Um, so I think that's a bit um, 
you know, I, I mean, think it's yeah. being a bit unfair on them. I just don't think they have the personnel to chase a target like that. Let's go quickly. Simple. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad test team at all. I, I, in fact, I thought they, they did reasonably well other than the most Pakistani of batting collapses in that first inning. I mean, you can't write that stuff that really only can happen to Pakistan. Um, the other thing, I, I mean, the other thing I would say about not chasing that target is that Pakistan's batting lineup does, it, like, their tail is literally four number 11. It's like, you're, Hassan Ali can slog sometimes and so can Shaheen Afridi, but really, between those two and Sajid Khan and Norman Ali, what do you expect? Anyway, that leads us very nicely into the third test, where three things happened. One, Australia won for the won, um, the test match. They also won in Pakistan for the first time in 28 years. And while doing it, became completely meme-worthy. <laughs> I mean, towards the end of that fourth inning, you could watch as when Hassan Ali got out, David Warner does the big Hassan Ali celebration. And then Mitchell Swepson... Yeah. Sorry. Did I say that? Swepson? Swepson? Oh, sorry. No, I was starting to sound like, uh, like Rob Keena, who clearly is a gin and tonic drinker. Um, because the <laughs> amount of times he called him Schwepson during that series was insane. Um, so, you know, Rob, if you're uh, listening to us and, and planning on becoming uh, the, what is it, managing director of English cricket, I'm sending you a, an entire case of Schweppes tonic. Enjoy. Um, Mitchell Swepson took an insane catch and then decides to celebrate just like China Freely would to the crowd, you know, and it was, of course, China Freely batting. So, Australia had second innings. It became completely meme-worthy. But it was a great test match. Usman Khwaja with an absolutely brilliant 100 in the second innings. And that really accelerated it. Plus, amazingly good declaration. I thought that was genius. I think it was, a, it was a, Yeah. And it was a reaction to the second test, I guess. Because they had the entire conversation of, oh, you know, did we declare too late to bowl Pakistan out, etc. And uh, So, very sporting declaration. And good job on, on the bowlers to get those wickets. Also, Steve Smith, what is that catching technique at first slip? Oh my God. I mean, if, like, honestly, if I was standing at first slip and my coach saw me doing that, forget running laps, I would have been thrown out. <laughs> um, it's, it's shocking because he's one of the best slip catches around. Uh, I mean, he dropped so just... many catches purely because of that. Yeah. You know, maybe he's just. He, maybe his batting form is getting to him because he's just really annoyed that he keeps getting, you know, this is bad form for him when he's getting 50s and 60s rather than 100s and 200s. So, you know, maybe. Um, also, just just so you know, he's uh, Steve Smith has only scored one Test match 100 in the last two years. And you so can't even not- be... And and you can no longer blame the fact that you know he didn't play test cricket for the last two years because this is we're not talking about his suspension time. No, well, yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, so that was Australia versus Pakistan. Have we missed anything out? I mean, the first test, I don't even want to talk about it. it was such a smooth test, honestly. Um, yeah, I think the only thing I would say is it's just some extra props to Usman Khwaja coming back to the country of his birth, obviously, and 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 um, you know his 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 home, his where his family's from. Absolutely amazing series for him. Uh, I mean, aided by uh, some really good batting pitches, to be fair, but also just really dominated and has just kind of ended all conversations about whether Usman Khwaja deserves a place in the Australian 11. That that conversation's over now. Also, I must say, I initially thought that the decision to leave out 
Um, Hazelwood from the second and third test was a bit iffy, but I think the way Stark, Stark in particular bowled, we knew what we were going to get from Cummins. I think the way Stark bowled sort of proved everybody right. And also, Cam Green has come such a long way as a cricketer from one which yes, was yes. unbelievable. From that India series, he's, he's so much better now. Also, also, last thing about that series. Before the second test match in Karachi, this happened to Alex Carey. <laughs> Alex Carey then, apparently by, by this happening, by this whole pool incident of his, he somehow just got some magic powers. Um, and he started making runs and he started taking catches and suddenly Australia became Honestly, most meme-worthy tour I've ever seen in my life. It's been hilarious. <laughs> um, from the celebrations to that, you know, rebirth of Alex Carey or whatever you want to call it. Um, the whatever. Uh, not going to crack some bad joke about that. I'm actually stopping myself. Um, uh, I right. think there's too many, too many for one episode. But yeah, incredible. Okay. Um, now, again, I'm going to take a nap. While you talk about the first two tests, and then when you're done, <laughs> when you're done, when you when you when you're done, wake me up and all that's over, and then we can laugh at it. Huh. Yeah, England, England, West Indies, the first two tests. We got instead of Calypso, Calypso, we just got like collapse onto your bed series for the first two, for the first two times for the two, first two games. I mean, Craig Brathwaite showed how to play cricket on that on that on that on that surface. Literally, he. It was the second longest. Um, Innings like balls. One fifty yeah, plus the, score or something. It was sort of ridiculous. He batted seven and a half hours for hundred and sixty. If I and if I, 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 I am now forgetting the exact stat, but I, I believe this was the most number of balls anyone's faced. In a oh, sorry, match. not not seven and a half hours. He batted seven hundred and fifty minutes. Yeah, I pardon. Seven hundred and fifty minutes. I think there's only two uh, two test innings that have been longer than that, and one of them was Hanif Mohammed's triple century. Ha, so this is the disparity I was going to bring up. I think that uh, that innings of his, he faced the most number of balls in innings by a West Indian batsman since uh, since Brian Lara. So the only Brad. difference is so the <laughs> only difference is Brian Lara scored 400 in those of those deliveries. Craig Brathwaite uh, just about managed 150. Okay, so there was a lot of chatter um, about on Twitter, especially about um, the makeup of the crowds at the first two test matches in Antigua and Barbados, um, because there were more Englishmen than there were West Indians, um, and you know there's more Englishmen at a cricket ground when the bloody DJ is playing fucking Sweet Caroline. <laughs> All right. We anyway. gotta we gotta tell our Guyana friends. I, I don't care how far Guyana is from the rest of the Isles that make up the West Indies. Guys, just show up. Come on. Yeah, we really had to send them there. Anyway, um that happened. England looked like they were bossing the series for at least their batsmen looked like they were actually batting for once. Um Zach Creepy Crawley got a hundred. Um Dan Lawrence looked like a genuine test batsman. Johnny Besso looked like a test batsman for the Probably, I don't know, the 100th falls down of his career, maybe. Yeah, and then we get to Granada. Um, so, in Grenada, 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 I'm not sure. I think it's pronounced Grenada. I'm going to stick with Grenada. Um, we get to Grenada, and for the Largely first because time... because somehow 
England batting started treating West Indies bowling as they were facing grenades. So. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Well, yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> so, in the first two tests, right, um, the West Indies, for whatever reason, decide in their infinite wisdom to play Virasami Pamal. Because he's a he's a great lower order batter. I think I That's should why. put this on. I think I should put this back on and run away. That's what I felt like. Because you know, his batting was more useful than his bowling. Clearly, uh, to be fair, it is itis All right, uh, you, that was a good one. Um, but no, so well, he turned out to be a better batsman than a. Well, he did, to be fair, for his limited, very limited ability, he did bowl decently well. But again, it's never his bowling that's the high, question. Wasn't he the highest wicket taker in one of those innings? In, in the second test, I believe, in the second innings of the second test. This is how meme-worthy it is. They were playing against England. <laughs> fair. Yeah. Anyway. See, you know what you know what I was saying at the at the top of this episode about how you could go and bowl in county cricket and pick up wickets? They literally cannot play Virsami Pamal. They cannot play spin. They're <laughs> that giving like the flattest to... wickets you've ever seen in your life. They're giving wickets to Virsami Pumal. That's 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 that says everything. Anyway, so the first two tests on flat, docile wickets happened while they were in the fucking London borough of Kensington Oval and the London borough of the Sylvia Richard Stadium. Or oh, yeah, let's just call it the London borough. Um, and. Um, the third test was, well, finally a West Indian one, where they get a crowd that's filled with West Indians, they get a pitch that actually does a bit, and the West Indies does the smartest thing on earth. What do they do? They drop Virasami Pamal and bring in Kyle Mayers. Why is that important? Because of what followed. Another miracle! <laughs> Kyle Mayers got Joru twice in that test, both for, for low scores. First innings he took Two wickets or three wickets? I can't he remember which. Two. Second, he took two wickets. And then he took two wickets in the first inning. Um, second innings, fight for. But I mean, the first two days of that test match were properly meme worthy. England collapsed to whatever 115 for eight nine. or something. And yeah. Was it, oh, sorry, it was nine. Back part. 96 for eight and then 115 for nine. And then that last test, last partnership between Jack Leach and uh, Sakib Mahmood. Took them to uh, to two hundred and four. Two hundred and four. But the funny thing was, so so these guys came out, and then the West Indies tried like a bunch of things at them, and it didn't work. And then they just basically forgot how to bowl for the next sort of two hours. Um, Saki Bemud gets his highest first class score, and then of all the random people to end that partnership, Jermaine Blackwood. <laughs> I mean, it was so bizarre because the. I mean, the test cricket tactic and parts of it were honestly shocking, but it made for fascinating viewing. Yeah. Uh, and then the same thing happened the next day in the, in the West Indies innings, where West Indies collapsed. We finally got our Calypso collapses. Yeah, West I know. Well, we got, we got West, a test match. Yes. Uh, West Indies top order and middle order collapsed. They come down to the, 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 down to the ninth wicket and Josh De Silva shows up. And, and and for England, okay, I swear, after the year that they have had, right, Josh De Silva would have been like this horrible, evil final boss on a video game. <laughs> Josh De Silva, who's a keeper batter, who can't really keep that well, but is in the West Indies side because they're good keepers, uh, namely Nicholas Puran, uh, of playing T20 cricket. 
Yeah, and then Josh De Silva is like literally the anti-Besto. I swear to God, that is the best way to describe it. the anti-Besto. Everything that Johnny Besto is, Josh De Silva is not. All right. So, so you would not let Josh De Silva shag your wife? I mean, I wouldn't let anybody shag my wife. I don't know why Besto allows that, but whatever. Um, you know, whatever floats <laughs> his boat. Um, Apparently, the Barmy Army loves Besto that much. Um, no, the Bami Army would let Besto shag their wives. So anyway, what, you know. That's what I. That's that's what I. That's what I meant. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Anyway, um, point being, literally the anti-Besto. Besto likes to play attacking, fast-paced cricket, big hit, big hits, left, right, and center. De Silva is a sort of obdurate, stubborn, you know, almost crab-like batsman. I mean. I think the best sort of comparison you can give is he is like the West Indian version of Sunil Gavaskar. Whoa, 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 whoa! Now that I mean, we can get our licks in on Sunil Gavaskar, but Gavaskar's we're talking an all-time great batsman now. Okay, fine. Maybe that's a bit too much, but uh, man, he was whatever. He was like a cra- literally like a crab. Like he hung on. And he made an absolutely amazing hundred. However, slowly he made because he got them the runs and they got two ninety eight. And then they had this wonderful ninety ninety three run lead. And and then West Indies bowl like two overs. Jaden Seals gets um, Zach Crawley fishing outside the off stump like Zach Crawley normally gets out after crashing two boundaries. And he finally nicks on and the man mountain that is Jason Holder hangs on. Um, and then they bring on Kyle Mayers in the second innings and then literally all hell broke loose for the next half hour um he first gets um joe root fishing outside the off stump which was hilarious to watch i mean that was absolutely hysterical um but then he goes on to pick up one of the cheapest fivers i have ever seen in my life i think he finished with figures of what 14 overs Five for fifteen, or something silly like that. Um, and the beauty of this whole situation, the irony of this whole situation is, England have collapsed to a bowler that they've probably the, uh, the type of bowler that they would have probably faced about three hundred million times in county cricket. Seriously, it was so funny, and it was just unbelievable stuff to watch. Um, In between all of that uh, was the Johnny Bairstow dismissal, which was just tragic comedy. Honestly, tragic comedy. Bairstow and Ben Folks. Those are the two tragic comic dismissals. Um, Stokes is indec- indecision to leave, not leave, whatever, and then he nicks off. Um, there was a drop catch in the middle of Alex Lee's, um, and then and Lee sort of hung on again, very crab-like, and he sort of clung on while basically the earth moved around him, and and every Englishman fell into a pit. um and uh, and then then there was the best of dismissal so they finally get a bit of a partnership going um nothing's really happening and the ball's not doing much it's gone a bit soft they're batting well and then best of sort of played a very mature innings till then um you know so basically zaijos goes around the wicket to bowl basically sort of leg side short ball kind of line um and as they change over at the end of overs josh de silva walks past johnny besto 
and then says you're scoring too slowly you're scoring way too slowly don't know how to bat fast <laughs> or something of that equivalent next ball bashed over with this i mean horrendous hoik oh try tries this horrendous looking hoik to the leg side under edges and de silva with glee takes the catch i mean like the pleasure on his face that was just gamesmanship and besto losing his head and then calmeyer so, came back so can we can we say that josh de silva has avenged tino best not quite no? not quite no you don't think you don't think that that was as good a moment as mind the windows and tino getting out right after No, I think Tino avenged Tino when he got ninety four the next time he went there. So I think Tino avenged Tino best, and I think that beef was sort of laid down. Um, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, but who knows? Well, you know, for once, England didn't say anything before the series. <laughs> they said some dumb stuff after the series, where they're like, "Oh, we're happy." With well, yeah, players. but that's because they lost. But you know, I mean, they said some dumb stuff after the Ashes, so I think that's just par for the course now. That's um, true. Oh no! Sorry, you're right. They did say something stupid. Red ball reset. <laughs> here's the here's the here's the secret to your red ball reset, England. Completely revolutionize county cricket. Stop rewarding. Stop rewarding people who bowl doublers. Build pitches that reward fast bowling and good spin bowling with a little bit of swing, rather than just having anyone who can. swing the ball around hoops under the clouds and whatever other conditions that english weather gives you just so what the snow from yesterday yeah the snow from yesterday whatever tear the whole damn county cricket system up or i mean okay fine the system's fine but stop stop preparing all these shit pitches you know i mean all this talk about oh india has all these spin friendly pitches or uh, spicy pitches in south africa or whatever the worst pitches in the world other pitches where any random bowler in england from some county village can come and pick up fifer because he can bowl at 125 miles an hour and the batters can't play swing those um, are the pitches that you don't you can't you can't develop test cricketers on a classic case in point is a man named chris wokes i mean it just describes him perfectly chris wokes who at home has a century has you know averages what what is it 25 or something with the with the ball some ridiculous number because he can again the swing aids him take take him outside of england he can't do a single thing unless on the rare occasion like the granada pitch he, there was a little assistance for bowlers and therefore he took three wickets yeah but he's um, chris woke should not be part of it I, I don't know, man. Chris, Chris Wokes also. I mean, if you're doing a red ball reset and you're dropping Steve Broad and James Anderson because you think they're not, you know, they take wickets at too slow a strike rate in in away tests, and then you make Chris Wokes the leader of your bowling attack. Oh, and play Greg Overton. Just at at least at least Broad and Anderson keep the scoring down. Like they average, they still average under thirty or something away from home. They just take fewer wickets. Wokes takes fewer wickets and also averages over fifty. And I mean, okay, fine. So when you replace Broad, look, I'm I'm not against re- moving on from Broadnas. I never said that. What I am against then is replacing them with Wokes and Craig Overton, who it, literally this is what my this is what I tweeted a few weeks ago. It's like going from two Lamborghinis 
to a go-kart and a reliant robin never has that been more true um so who's the reliant robin and who's the go-kart well at least wokes at home has a bowling average yeah um um but anyway to sum it up to sum it up right i was getting bowled out by kyle mayers is just hilarious but it just shows you the shambles that west indies as the english cricket is in now in an era where the west indies have been let's be let's say below average um england have only won one test series in the west indies in 50 years okay contrast that with australia india new zealand and south africa who have all won the test series the last time that they've gone to the west indies england haven't won a test think... series in the west indies since 2004 the last time before that i think was in the 50s and literally every other side goes to west indies and will i mean west indies can compete we saw the last west indies india series there was some great bowling from the west indies side but like they don't india you know india's not going to west indies and losing the series yeah no agreed anyway uh that's our take on the three test series um so india winning uh australia winning and west indies winning so Well, only the Australian I mean, uh, one was a bit sort of unpredictable. We knew the West Indies were going to beat England at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we sh- we should point out England are now bottom of the World Test Championship standings. Yeah, and um, apparently every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the country decides to to apply for managing director of the ECB. So and we should point out also there's been this like this whole like uh, clamor for Joe Root to resign from captaincy, which there was after the Ashes as well. I'm going to go back to it ain't going to make a fucking difference. Make me captain, you're still going to lose Ashes series 5-0 and West Indies series 1-0. Make Joe Root captain, that's the same thing that's going to happen. Doesn't matter who's captain of that side. You don't have good batsmen, you don't have good bowlers. Your county Until... system doesn't produce good test cricketers. That this is what's going to happen. Also, what is this ridic before we move on? What is this ridiculous insistence on not playing Matt Parkins? I mean, I don't get it. He's the best spinner that you have. He's probably better than Jack Leach. Why not play him? Jack Leach is reliable and safe. He's it's Jack Leach is the most English sort of player you can get. He's safe. He looks like you think of him and you're like, "Huh, he can. He'll do. Uh, he, he might do a decent job." He's never going to be absolutely awful unless he's batting against, unless he's bowling in Australia against David Warner and Travis Head, or bowling in India against uh, Rishabh Pant. Uh, apart from that, he's never going to be awful. He's also just never going to be great either. So he's basically the modern-day version of Ashley Giles. I was literally the nicest thing I can say about Jack Leach. Genuine nice thing I can say is that he's better than Ashley Giles. That, that's that, that's literally the best thing I can say about him. Yeah, but Ashley Giles got Tendulkar. Leach hasn't done that. He hasn't got. Did he get Kohli? I mean, Leach must have picked up some big wickets in in India because we've prepared some amazing. Rank turners in that pitch in in that series. Right, right. Um, that's all we have to say about English cricket because until they can find eleven um, individuals that can actually play cricket, they're not going to improve. Um, you know, um, Joe Root included. Um, you can't get out to Kyle Mayers and not expect me to say that. Um, 
<laughs> not even arguing the point here. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, right. On that very happy note, it is time to move into our favorite segment of the show. These are the Nobles Cricket Awards. Take it away. Yes, Jaspreet yeah. Bumrah gets an award. Yes, Jaspreet Bumrah gets an award for for a wicket of a of a no ball. Uh, annoying as fuck, wick, no, no ball wicket because it would have been if I remember. Uh, this is now I'm, I'm. This is too long ago for me to get the details right. But I, if I remember correctly, it was Patum Desanka at the end of the second uh, of the first day, second day of the first test, and then of course Desanka had a pretty good um, rearguard action in that in that innings. Could have been ended a lot sooner. And Sake Mahmood also got a no ball. Oh wicket. yeah, Sake Mahmood did get a no ball, didn't he? Um, yes. That was that would have been his first Test wicket as well. Um, yeah. And so he wins the Temba Bahuma Award um, from the no balls cricket segment for taking a no ball while trying to pick up your first Test cricket. Uh, test wicket. The Temba Bahuma Award. That that is now reserved for people that are trying to pick up their first test wicket and then end up bowling a no ball when they do get. Um, yeah, no fair. So those are our two no balls cricket awards, and of course the main thing that we want to talk about. No, also no, just one very special award to the entire England cricket team for being so shit. Just this, that's it. Here's your wooden spoon. Um, <laughs> they are also Literally... significantly bottom now, so. Literally, if if you do the whole thing that a lot of people have suggested of turning Test cricket into a two-tier system with relegation and promotion, England would rightfully be in the second tier right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. The only reason they are in the first tier is because they are the owners of 100. Um, or they have enough money to sponsor the 100. Or, I don't know, and man. Honestly- 100. I feel like, honestly, England would be better so playing some test cricket against the likes of Ireland, Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, and, and just like, that's, that's, those are going to be much more competitive series than what they're, what they're producing every, against the rest. One minute. Are you really asking England to bat against Rashid Khan? That's also true. Rashid Khan's a better spinner than most that have to face outside of India. That is my point, exactly. Anyway, um, so, we've only ever given, I think, one Lifetime Achievement Award before this, and that was to Ravi Shastri because of his just <laughs> meme-worthy career. Um, but this next Lifetime Achievement Award basically goes to the man, man who basically pretty much invented memes in, in, in international cricket. Um, I mean, you can't have a more meme-worthy career than Shane Moore did. Um, and it's a crying shame that we've lost him. I mean, it really is. What a fantastic cricket. It was, I think for us, probably one of the most, for, for our generation, and, and especially for our generation of cricket fans, I guess the first real shocking bit of news we've had, outside of maybe for those of the, for the ones slightly older who lived through the late 90s, early 2000s match-fixing saga, this is probably the biggest shock we've had to our, to, to our lives as cricket fans. I, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, desecrate his memory and speculate on how and why he died. That's not for me. Um, yes. Let's, please, let's, I, who, so, who was it on, on Indian News TV who did that? I can't remember. Oh, was, I, it, was it Gallison? I mean, I don't know and I don't really care. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Shane Warne was on holiday and, you know, the medical reason is he had a heart attack. So let's stick with that. Um, yeah. Um, but 
the impact of Vaughn on, I mean, our generation obviously would have seen a lot of him because, you know, that's, he was sort of, there were three rock stars of international cricket at that point in time. But no one quite matched the um, yeah the drama and, and the sort of gamesmanship that Vaughn brought to international cricket. I don't yep. think, no, I've, never seen, I've never seen anybody outside of Vaughn be able to create an atmosphere like that. And he did it doing, like bowling the, 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 form, the format of bowling that nobody used to think was cool before him. And nobody's been able to replicate since then. I mean, leg spin bowling has made a pretty big comeback because of, of T20 cricket. And, and yeah, now, but it's different. Yeah, exactly. Limited overs wrist spin is different. Limited overs wrist spin is different to, to, to what Shane Warne did. But that's what I'm saying. So the impact of Warne, and I mean, on a person like me now, and I'll, I'll admit this freely, I'm a fairly cynical cricket fan. Like, I'm staunch traditionalist, and I like attacking cricket in a particular sort of sense. Right? The two things that I really enjoy, and I grew up being wanting to be a fast bowler, but I had this soft spot for Lexman. Always did. And, the, and I think one of the biggest reasons for that is Shane Warne. I don't think yeah. he made leg spin sexy. Nobody else did. Yeah, exa- that's exactly it. That's, that's exactly it. Um, it's just all the theatrics. And, you know, spin has always, like, there's always this aura of mystery around spin. And that's not just an Indian thing. You know, you had Murli, you had back in the old days, you had play, people like... Um, Abdul Qadir uh, was the biggest Dave, example of that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Abdul Qadir, Mushtaq yeah. Ahmed. I'm thinking back also to the days of Laker and... Um, Jim Laker and uh, who am I? Tony Locke. You're also forgetting the Laker and Locke. Laker and Locke, yes. but you're also looking at people like the Indian Quartet. I mean, of course, all of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But 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 they were they were. It was different because that's spin bowling. Warren was spin bowling plus you're playing Shane Warren. Yeah. You know, I mean, I and think he had this, he had the whole he had like the spiked hair and the this like ambling. Not, but not really ambling, like walking to the to the crease while bowling, but walking with this like swagger that you've only ever seen with associated with fast bowlers before. So before that, and just like you look at him and it's he just knows I'm gonna have some fun. Like he, that's literally that's literally the expression. Like when I see him, see clips of him bowling now, it's just like you can just see that's what he's thinking in his head. Yeah, I'm I'm going and having some fun right now. But I, I think part of the appeal of Wong was you look at. A lot of cricketers over that period and thought, this is serious, you know, this is very serious. It didn't look fun. When one was bowling, there was this element of, oh, I'm enjoying this. I think, you know, Brian Lara was one who was like obsessed. Or at least when I looked at it, he was like, he wanted to score and he wanted to score big and he wanted to get records. You looked at Tendulkar and he was like, oh, I have to sort of carry the weight of this team. You know, you looked at Warren and it was just like, <laughs> I'm going to get him out. Yeah, Warren was just like I'm. I just I have to be such. I have to be Shane Warren. That's it. That's the yeah. only pressure yeah. I'm putting myself. Oh, exactly. Putting myself. Um, I mean, it was amazing. It was an amazing bowler. He's an amazing persona. Um, again, we're not here to discuss his personal life. That is not my thing. But I will say that you knew a Shane Warren sort of controversy was around the corner. But that's just the character he was, and I think. The appeal of him was that he was that. He was an essentially a cricket everyman with his flaws. Yeah, he was, he was complete he was genius. Just, he was a normal guy 
having fun and going out and playing cricket. Yeah. And, and the fact that he drank a shit, shitload of beer and smoked a ton of cigarettes, that just added to the appeal. Yep. You know, I mean, I don't think any cricketer with in the modern era would manage that. I just, it just doesn't happen anymore. Um, not in the age of yo-yo tests. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's funny to wonder what Shane Warne would do in this like super hyper fitness era. Yeah, probably. Rohit Sharma looks like he has some fun. Like he def- we know he's fit, but also he's not like maniacal like Virat Kohli. Rohit Rohit looks like he has some fun. No, yeah, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in in for that era, I think Warne was the epitome of fun. Plus, he played yeah. in a great Australian team, so you know. But he was one of the reasons for that. What are exactly. the biggest reasons? He was for one of the reasons. Yeah. yeah, he and McGrath, and, but you know. One was something else because, like, you 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 spend twenty overs or whatever facing McGrath, Gillespie, Brett Lee, and then suddenly this little slightly fat guy comes walking towards you, and then next thing you know, you've just lost another five wickets anyway. And I just want to finish on this note. Um, obviously, the memorial service um, was held yesterday at the MCG, and. This is how how much of an impact Shane Warne has, Warne has had on world cricket. Do you know what the viewing figures for that were? Go on. One billion people tuned in yesterday to watch Shane Warne's memorial service. One billion people. It's it, it, that's that's just. I mean, like you can't really you you can't uh, sum up his impact better than that. One billion people. Do you know what that means? If you Basically, walk down the all street, of in, all of India. All of India, pretty much. But if you walk down the street in India, right? Every fourth person you see is a Shane Warne fan. <laughs> it's that ridiculous, um, the viewing figures. Or something like, of, of that set. So one in every eight people on earth watch that funeral. Cannot sum up the impact. The only other thing I want to say, and this is how I'll finish it off, and we'll finish our episode as well, is that I had two favorite cricketers over... The span and, and they still remain my favorite cricketers, despite whoever else has come and gone um, over the years. And these are two for me because of who I've seen and, and you know obviously my sort of age. Um, but um, from the people I've seen, Rinder Sehwag remains my favorite batsman, and then my favorite bowler, despite the fact that I preferred and I love fast bowling and I love. Fast bowlers, Shane Warne was always my favorite bowler. And if you ask me about a World Eleven, Warne over Murli, always. Yeah, yeah I, I think, uh, like, we, honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, get into that discussion also, but because I, I just feel like it's the wrong moment to have, let's just go into all the... No, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to have a discussion. Of Warren and I'm Murley, just, but yeah, I I'm just, I'm just I, saying, I I'm just, I'm just... I'm just stating my personal preference. That is all. There's nothing yeah. else to it. Um, Fair. The most great bowlers, obviously. I don't want to get into that discussion at all. Um, <laughs> but the point, the point I'm trying to make is he's had an impact on my life personally. My journey through cricket, I've seen it through the eyes of Shane. No, no, at least I've tried. Yeah. No, I agree. I think. I mean, I can even see if, say for myself, you know, and I, I my, honestly, the funniest thing is my earliest cricketing memory doesn't even involve India. Like as far in terms of what I can remember going back, uh, it was a '99 World Cup final. For whatever reason, even then, even without, even before I had become a full-fledged Aussie hater, at the time I was um, rooting for Pakistan in that final. 
and and i literally at the age of 9 i think i cried at the end of that final because of what won did um but great great my, great player my favorite shave on memory um uh if you guys haven't oh, i mean everybody must have seen this by now so i'm not going to put it up but i will we will include a link to the uh, video that rob has put up of it um uh won describing that particular dismissal but Brendan uh, Brendan McCullum where he no no no, says, no, no, no 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 Basit oh, Ali Basit Ali Oh okay okay, okay. Oh, I thought you talked about I thought you were talking about the time when he came back to the Big Bash for no, like no, no, one no. season I, randomly I could said this is how I'm going to get Brendan McCullum out and then did it No 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 for me it was always the Basit Ali dismissal because simply because of Richie Beno's brilliant commentary on that in the most understated way possible he's just gone you wouldn't believe it he's done in between his legs i mean who gets somebody out <laughs> between his legs only one person uh, i'm going to go a little more uh, cliche but i think my favorite shame on dismissal is uh, the second ball of the century or the the ball of the 21st century against stross because i remember that, that i had just moved back to india so this is the first time i was getting to watch um cricket at that level again where like i could literally watch all five days of a test match at a time where it you know it worked given that we were living in india and that series was in england and just watching that series of great series in general but just watching him bowl to andrew strauss and like i i still see the replay and i i think i look at strauss first and i like what the fuck are you doing and then i think about it from strauss's like point of view and it's like it just feels like strauss is probably thinking the same thing about warn he's like he sees that ball bowl he's like what the fuck are you doing i can i'm just going to li- let this spin past me and so i'm going to be fine and then somehow walks past it and gets bowled behind his legs but that was the magic of shane warn um and on that very happy slightly somber note um pitter yeah, sweet note pitter sweet note i mean we would like to pour one out for shane warn we will pour one out for shane warn um and that's our episode i know it's been a bit of a long one but uh thank you all for watching and Stay tuned. We have a lot more content coming up, obviously with the IPL on, and also we will have one uh, a special at the end of the Women's World Cup final. And yeah, have a good rest of your week. See you guys.